Hey, Islanders, and welcome to episode 12 of the Camino Voice. On this episode, I speak to the owner of Dorsey Fine Art Studio and the creator of Acrylic University, which has members from around the world. Please welcome Jed Dorsey. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Camino Voice podcast, where I interview folks around Camino Island and beyond. If you want to stay up to date on events, businesses, and even hear a little history of this area, subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode. On this episode, I speak with Jed Dorsey, and we get into why he chose acrylic, um, even though many other artists move into watercolor or oils later on in their career, um, and why Jed believes acrylic, what his strengths are, and why he's continued to grow with acrylic. And then that kind of leads to why he started Acrylic University, which is an online course taught by Jed, where you can go on and learn how to paint with acrylic paint. Um, and it's, it's all shot in full HD, and uh, it's done very, very well. So uh, be sure to check that out. Also, if you're a local here, uh, if you haven't already done a coffee and canvas, which is where Jed teaches a class, um, a full painting class, while you're sipping on coffee, you really need to do that. Uh, guys, if you're listening, take your wives to that. Um, but it's just a great time. He's a fantastic teacher. Um, so without further ado, here's my conversation with Jed Dorsey. Hey, Islanders, it's Brandon with the Camino Voice. And today I'm here with the owner of Dorsey Fine Art Studio and Acrylic University, which has members from around the world. Please welcome Jed Dorsey. Hey, thanks for having me, Brandon. It's fun to be here. Yeah, well, I've, I've been excited to have you on the podcast because you, you and I share a very close space upstairs sure in the do. marketplace. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. Actually, we're not in that space right now, but that was where I was imagining when you asked me to be on there. I'm like, oh, that'll be kind of interesting right there in the marketplace. So, But it's fun to be here, man. Super yeah. fun. All right. So before we get started, uh, tell us a little bit about Jed Dorsey. Yeah, so I am uh, an artist, full-time artist. I'm actually fourth-generation artist, which is kind of unique because my great-grandma on my mom's side was an artist and illustrator and cartoonist. And um, and then it went down to my grandma. She went to art school. My mom is an artist. And then she married my dad, who's also an artist. So kind of crazy. That's part of me. Um, I'm married. I have a beautiful wife, Renee, and a wonderful daughter, Willow. And... Um, we moved back. I grew up here on Camano Island and lived here through high school, then went away to Oregon to college and ended up getting married to Renee shortly after I graduated from college and haven't really lived on Camano Island since then. Um, and then we just moved back about uh, 15 months ago, last May. So, Okay, yeah. yeah. And I think what's interesting is... <clears throat> um, you know, I think most people from this area would know who your dad is, Jack Dorsey. Yeah. Because um, he's been very influential artist in this community yeah. for, for a long time. Yeah, he sure has. <clears throat> yeah. He moved up here in, I think, 1969 or somewhere around then um, and basically was like one of the first artists on the island. And so uh, and and. There, there have been a lot of artists that have come since then, but um, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. My mom grew up here on the island, and then 
her and my dad ended up moving here shortly after they were married. Uh, they were in Seattle. And so they yeah, had long history here. And it's kind of, it's cool to be back in a place where I do have roots, you know, mm-hmm. and there is family connection. Yeah. Well, and so <clears throat> with your dad and, and so many of your family lineage going up, um, being artist and involved in the arts, is that what kind of gave you the inspiration into going into art or was it something you were drawn towards? How, how did you kind of get involved? No, my parents had no, um, no influence on me at all. Uh, <laughs> just joking. Yeah, actually, you know, it's crazy because it, it wasn't like they expected me to be an artist or anything like that, but it's hard to say how much, I mean, when you are, you know, it's like you with your dad being in business, you know, mm-hmm. like how much does that influence you? Right. Like right. it's, it's done. Right. Yeah. I mean, you just see it, you, you're around it, you appreciate it because it's kind of like what you know. And so, um, at the same time I played a lot of sports, you know, and so, and my parents were super supportive of me playing sports and, you know, so it wasn't like, um, we would sit around painting all day or anything like that. I mean, I don't even, we just had access to it. You know, if we wanted to sketch or draw or paint, there was always something around. So, um, I have pictures when I was a little kid, you know, laying, laying on the ground with a huge, you know, kind of piece of paper in front of me and, and, you know, sketching and, and drawing and stuff. And so, there's there's lots of pictures and different things I can look back and see. Oh yeah, it was there from a very early on, um, and so it's weird though because it was it's like a seed that's planted, mm-hmm. and it doesn't necessarily come to fruition right away. Because like I said, I did sports so much, and then I got into music when I was um, in high school and in college, and so it really took me until I was 25 to. Um, and I was married and I was on my own and I wasn't living near my family to kind of discover art again in a fresh way. Right. So then what, what was your actual degree? You said you went to college in, um, in Oregon. What was your degree that you went for? Well, I got a degree in English communications and it was funny because I, I actually got, um, you would think that that would be a bachelor of arts. But because I switched my major around so many times, I, I didn't even realize this until five years after I had graduated. I looked back at my diploma and I saw I had a Bachelor of Science and I got so excited because I, I'm like, man, I'm practically a scientist. <laughs> I could be a doctor if I wanted to. Yeah. I, Don't I you see? see? I could see it. <laughs> yeah, you're you're hesitating, man. <laughs> I just hope you don't get art, artistic in the you know in the moment of like you know what would be really neat. Oh is... yeah, like maybe if we <laughs> move this vein over that way, what would that look like? <laughs> yeah, there okay. could be some issues there. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think there's also proof in that that um, how many siblings do you have again? So I have. Uh, well, I grew up with two. And then we have a, a, a half-brother. Okay. That, yeah. And of those, how many of them are, are artists well, or how many are full-time artists and stuff like that, too? No other full-time artists. My dad um, was a full-time artist, went to work for Boeing after kind of struggling for a while and needing to get some steady income, went to work for Boeing for 15 years, and then after he retired, became a full-time artist again. 
And then my mom um, is essentially in that same place where she she's pursues art as much as she wants. Um, my brother is not a full-time artist, but he runs a studio here on the island and is a like super like he was the president of the Camino Arts Association for the last two years mm-hmm. and so he's got his hands real deep for for being a full-time uh, pastor and not being <laughs> full-time in art he's probably the most active person that I know my sister is an amazing artist um, but she's also a mom and has four kids and so she isn't able to always dedicate as much time as she would like to art but she's <clears throat> incredible and actually what's interesting too is our half brother that we didn't really know he's also incredibly gifted artistically he works for uh, the Department of Transportation, so he doesn't pursue art all the time, but he loves it and is really gifted, and it's super cool to see how that is. Yeah, well, it, yeah, it definitely has permeated um, both generationally up and down and laterally throughout your generation, yeah. right? Yeah, and it's cool, too, because like we have nieces, I have nieces and nephews who are doing art and really doing awesome. So it's like I was the fourth generation. Now we're on the fifth generation. They're coming up. Yeah. Well, and and not only that, but um, you were speaking about your uh, grandma, right? Yeah, great grandma. Great grandma. And is she the one that has the book or is that your grandma? Yeah, yeah. My great grandma, um, like I said, she was a a cartoonist and an illustrator. So she illustrated a lot of books, I think even like Alice in Wonderland and stuff like that. Um, But she also kind of developed her own fairy alphabet and wrote all these poems and and things that went alongside these illustrations that she did and it she considered it her masterwork but it wasn't completed until after she was dead so it was actually I think after she'd passed away that my uncle and aunt maybe took that material and put it into a book format so yeah well and that's now for sale at, at dorsey fine art studio but we actually i believe we have a copy of that for our kids and yeah it's just i don't know it's so cool to be able to see like that generation legacy carried on and that you can have that as like a a starting piece of all of this man i look back at it too and i actually find a lot of inspiration i was writing a i'm writing a little article right now for something i'm doing and i was just i just started thinking about because I was talking about goals and I was thinking about my great grandma and she was a, she was a, a, a wife of a rancher in Montana and outside of Helena. And so she lived through the depression and put her kids through college with her art. And I was just thinking back to like some of the stories that I've heard about her and how tough she was and how, um, feisty and, like, I'm just thinking, okay, here she is. She's got, I think she had four kids of her own. And one of them passed away when he was, I'm, I'm just trying to think. I'm My my mind's not helping too much right now. But I'm just, I, I know that she would wake up before the sun would rise and be painting and doing her art and creativity and sending it off to these national newspapers. And she was supporting her family and was able to send her kids to college and like that's pretty incredible and I, I look back at that and I go like man I want to I want to be like her someday you know yeah well that's that's amazing and uh, the fact that like through what she did and built like that's what started this legacy of yeah. 
of where you guys are today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Um, all right. So, um, what, and we talked about this a little bit, but what, what do you draw your inspiration for your art from? Well, for me, I'm a pretty, um, I'm a very visual person. And so it's funny because where I start, where I became a full-time artist was, so I started painting back when we lived in Vancouver, BC. So really beautiful place. Um, I mean, I'd worked in watercolor before that, but that was where I started painting in acrylics. And and there was a lot, lot of visual beauty around me. Mm-hmm. But where I became a full-time artist was in Indianapolis, Indiana, okay. where we lived before we moved back here. And there was not as much vis- visual beauty there. Like, you know, um, and so what I found, though, was that I'm I'm drawn to things and what would make something beautiful to me almost always had to do with sunlight. Mm. Had to do with the way that light was hitting something. So I even really fell in love with painting alleys and different things like that that were really interesting to me because they weren't you know like everybody dresses up the front of their house and makes it look nice and yeah. you know it's kind of like the presentable part of ourselves that we want everybody <laughs> to see but we don't really want somebody to like take a picture of the back of our house or the alley or the, you know, like where the garbage cans are or whatever. And, um, but like when I'd walk down these really old alleys in these cool old historic neighborhoods, I'd see these, you know, just these scenes that looked really cool to me and the sunlight would be coming up, you know, in the morning or something like that and casting these really long shadows and the light would be hitting things and it just would transform something. So when I think about where do I find my inspiration for art in general, I would say beauty. And more specifically, I would say um, light. And, and, you know, there's a sense in which all we can ever see is light because we don't, we see just the light that's reflected from an object. But, but like, usually there's something that has to do with the lighting or, or, or the atmosphere or something that really draws me into paint something. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, and that's such a neat, like, um, it is an aspect. It's like, it's, you see it every day, like light and yeah. good stuff, and yeah. you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. But, like, to focus on that aspect is is neat, and you just, you see all the intricacies of of light. I mean, of, of how that yeah, affects and how totally. visually, how it affects our world. Yeah. Well, the thing that's been really fun for me is, is, and I, I tell this to students all the time because I know it will be true for them. And it, and it is my, I, someone just told me yesterday, it's actually my sister-in-law. She had come to a, a class that I taught and, and I told her this and she came back and she said, Jed, you know, I just want to tell you it is true. Like since I was painting, I, I started looking out and seeing the world with new eyes. And I started like noticing all these different things. And I think that for myself, <clears throat> like I when I walk around now, it's like I'm a kid again in some ways because I get to I get to see it and I'm I'm looking at things and I'm noticing stuff that I used to walk past. I right. I never would even pay attention to, but all of a sudden because you're trying to recreate that beauty in a painting, yeah. You know, you start noticing the nuances and the subtleties and all these different things that so I I feel like it's a privilege to be able to do art and then have your vision kind of renewed through that yeah well and something 
um, kind of a, a similar aspect is like when I've start as I've started this podcast and stuff like that, mm. and since it's all interview basis, yeah. Whenever I hear an interview now, especially you're really paying attention, yeah, you're paying attention because you're like, how okay, I see like they're doing such a natural good job at like cruise like managing and yeah. moving that conversation to where they want it to go, yeah. But it never feels forced. It never like you just are listening and so intently interested, yeah. Um, totally. And so that now I when I listen to interviews, I do the same thing. I'm like, okay, so how do they what are, what's their follow up? How do they yeah. do that? Yeah. Yeah. What you can't see right now is Brandon's kicking me under the table <laughs> to try to get me to say something. No, <laughs> no that is so Don't interesting. Listen. It's like it another example for me is that when I've looked for a particular car to buy. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I, I remember the one of the first cars that we bought when we were married, and I was kind of got interested in it was a Nissan Maxima, and I never really like noticed them around. And then all of a sudden, I'm driving around, I'm like, "Whoa, there's tons of Nissan Maximas around," you know. So, yeah, whatever we're kind of interested in, we start paying attention to. Yeah, and it's it's cool because then we learn. Yeah, yeah, and you see things you didn't wouldn't yeah. have noticed before. Yeah. Um, okay, so now the age old question. Acrylic versus watercolor. Why did you choose acrylic? And maybe start with, because our listeners may not understand, explain the difference between the two and then why you've chosen acrylic as your main. Yeah. Well, there's several mediums that that are, you know, like most people use. Watercolor is what I grew up with because my family was painting in watercolor. So my dad is a watercolor artist and my mom. And... Um, or at least when they're growing, when I was growing up, that was solely what I saw them use, and and so that was what I was first introduced to, and what I painted in when I was young. When I was 25, I walked into a gallery in Whistler, BC, and stood in front of some paintings that totally blew me away. And part of it was that they were big. Um, watercolor is usually constrained a little bit by size because paper will you know you can get larger paper but it's hard harder to deal with and stuff and so but canvases can be stretched pretty big without Mm -hmm. having really any issues and it's pretty common to see really big um canvases stretched so uh, part of that was standing there in front of these large pieces but the other part was that there was something you know, my my family was a little bit like my dad was a little bit of a watercolor um, snob, I would say. Like like the idea of other other mediums, you know, like watercolor is probably the hardest, in my opinion, the hardest medium because you you really have one shot at getting your painting the way that you want it, and if you screw it up, it's really difficult to go back and make it look good again because you have the white of the canvas or the white of the paper. Mm-hmm. And the minute that you put color over that, you're never going to get that white again if you're a true, transparent, only kind of watercolor artist. And so you have to plan really well and, and all that kind of stuff if you want to succeed painting in watercolor. And maybe that's just it. For me, I'm not that good of a planner. I just am a lot more spontaneous and and like to make mistakes and go back. And so when I discovered I was in that gallery in Whistler and I honestly, we were there for a week and I went back every day that whole week. I I kept going back, kept, kept going back and, and I got to know the gallery owner quite well. And so I, 
I was asking her, like, what should I do? I'm so interested in these paintings and I don't know what to do because I've never painted. And one was, one of the artists that I really loved was an oil painter and one was an acrylic painter. And she said, well, and I told her that I'd done watercolor and she said, you should try acrylic because if you don't have a studio, you won't have to deal with thinners and stuff like that. You know, because all I was doing, we lived in a small apartment in Vancouver. I was just pulling stuff out um, at, at nighttime after dinner and I'd set it up on our kitchen table and I'd paint. And so I didn't have a dedicated space. So really dealing with thinners and weird toxic stuff like that would have been really hard. Um, and and also d dealing with um, wet paint on a canvas was really hard. So oil was kind of out of the question for me, but there was something vibrant and and unique about these paintings that I was looking at, and I knew that I couldn't do it quite the way that I was looking at in watercolor. And so that was when I, when I got going in acrylic, and then other benefits came to me that, that I realized after the fact that were like, man, it dries really fast, and some people hate that because... They can't go back and, you know, make an edge soft or something mm -hmm. like that. But for me, it means I can do something, and if it's if I screwed it up, I can go back and do something else, and I can make changes quite quickly. So um, that's been a big part of my learning is that I, I've screwed up a lot of stuff, and then I've had the opportunity maybe to fix it or to try or to keep going, you know. So yeah, that's well, that's what I love about <clears throat> acrylic. Uh, do you know, remember the name of the gallery in Whistler? Yeah, the gallery is, it was called Adele Campbell Gallery, and it's A-D-E-L-E, -E, and then there's a hyphen, and it's Campbell, like C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L. -L. All right, I'll link to that in the show notes. Cool. Um, that's really neat, though. I didn't, I didn't yeah, know the kind of I, the history on that. I know. Well, and I know, like... <clears throat> My sister-in-law has done your uh, painting class, and I think she was going at the water paint or watercolor versus acrylic pretty hard. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a good time. <laughs> um, all right, so um, so now that you've done, been doing that, <clears throat> you've recently been working on a new project, um, the Acrylic University. Um, what was kind of your reason for starting that? And maybe start by explaining what it is as well. Yeah, so Acrylic University is an online our instruction um, platform, basically where I'm teaching people how to paint and I'm also um, in the starting phases of gathering other artists who work in acrylic to do instruction there also. So, But the, the, the reason that I started it is because when I was in Indianapolis, I started realizing that I wanted to pursue acrylics. I didn't want to switch to oil, even though... In the art world, most of the professional artists that I know work in oil. And, and the, the kind of the pressure for me was, well, if you want to actually be a real professional, you'll just switch over to oil. And I, like, didn't want to. I tried one time and got so, you know, I just, I was like, this is stupid. I don't want to, I don't want to do this. And, but then I was trying to find instruction that I could, I could learn from people who were really good at acrylics. And, you know, if you think about art history a little bit, you, you, from 
what I understand, egg tempera was what people painted in before oils. So there was a transition to oils, but that was a long time ago. So we have centuries of people that have been trained in oil painting, and they've in turn trained other people in oil painting, who've then trained other people in oil painting. You have all this history of these great masters and wonderful artists, and they've, they've all been painting in oil primarily. Mm-hmm. And so that's why when you go to museums, like, you see so many oil painters and and paintings and acrylics were developed about 70 years ago so it's relatively new still and there aren't that many people who have really um gone in the in the in the way of traditional representational artwork and stayed in acrylics they acrylics are pretty well known for being modern or abstract or that kind of work but not so much for a traditional kind of approach to painting. And so um, I was looking, though, because I'm like, okay, I've been taking workshops from people who paint in oil, and I can't, um, you know, I, I, I'm learning a ton, but there's about 20% or maybe 15% that I can't translate to acrylic right. because it's just different. And so I started looking for acrylic artists that I wanted to learn from, and it was hard to find them. And, and I was, you know, I reached out to the couple that I found and, and, um, they said, well, I'm not teaching right now. Or one of them didn't respond. And then I couldn't find a number for the third one. You know, it was like that kind of thing. And, and then I just realized like, plus they were, they were like on the other side of the country. And I, so I just thought, man, okay, I guess I'll just keep taking workshops from oil painters. And then uh, about a year ago, I met s- someone who had been doing this video um, instruction online. And I was, it just clicked for me because I'd been wanting to do video stuff, but I didn't really like know how, how to work it. And I talked with her quite a bit and got these ideas from her. And I realized there have to be other people that are like me that want to learn like to paint like I wanted to learn how to paint and to maybe a more traditional representational style who are trying to do it in acrylics because they don't maybe they don't have a studio like me like maybe when I was young and had the apartment and they they want to pull it out and have it in their house or they want their kids to be able to be around it or you know they don't want to have wet paint around forever so it just made me realize that there must be a a market for this. There must be people out there who want this. And I just thought I it I can't find it anywhere. Let's just let's make it our own. Like let's yeah. build it ourselves. So yeah. that's very cool. <clears throat> um okay, so what what has been your biggest struggle with Acrylic University and getting it off the ground? Yeah, I mean <laughs> the biggest struggle is that it's everything is new. Like I don't have any, I mean, I've been running business, my, like my own little businesses for longest time. I've been an entrepreneur most of my life since I've been married, but, um, but this is totally different for me. Like it's a online platform that you have to do video work and you have to instruct in a way that it's, you're not looking at people and seeing if they're catching something. You have to be really thoughtful about how you're instructing. You have to be really thoughtful about how you're doing the video work. You know, you have to you have to learn a lot about 
all these different things. And what has been a struggle has been we've made a lot of mistakes. Like we shot almost our whole first course and then realized, I, I was like, you know what, we should have some beta testers go through this. And I was like, well, we'll have beta testers go through, but we won't make any changes. I mean, we've already made the course. Why would we go back and make changes? Plus, we, we thought about it. I didn't think that they'd find anything really that was wrong with it. You know, I was pretty confident. And then we started getting the feedback as they're going through. And they were overall really, really positive about it and, and supportive and like excited. But there were enough things that they said and that people said, you know, this is, this is distracting. This and enough people said the same things that we just thought, man, we have to go back and start over. We have to go re-record like almost everything that we've done. So, you know, that kind of thing is, I think, the biggest struggle is just having to learn so many different things and thinking that you did something right and then realizing, oh, man, you know, and sometimes we're able to live with it. Yeah. But a lot of times um, we found that, you know, we've either gone back and redone the course or we've kind of had to switch things around. So it's 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 if I wasn't as excited about it as I am, <laughs> I, I don't know if I'd still be doing it. But it's like the kind of thing that I it's it's really exciting for me and super fun. And the best part was when we had the beta testers on there or since we've launched and we have real people using it because it's like instead of looking at a camera and wondering if they're who, like, will anybody ever care about this or will this ever help anybody? You have real people who are signing in from Thailand and Sweden and Germany and all over the world and they're like man, thank you for doing this. Thank you for investing your time in this. This is so great. This is the best instruction that I've ever had like this. I've done a lot of courses and this is like top notch. And you're inside, you're just thinking, yes, I'm so thankful that there are real people out there who are benefiting from this. Yeah. So. Well, and that's kind of what I wanted to go next. Um, what has been the most amazing thing about starting a Critical University? And, or, and do you have a story that to go along with that? Yeah, I mean, right in the kind of in the middle of when we had we were just about to well, we were getting closer to the launch and we had started the beta test and I remember being kind of discouraged and I I was I was I I don't remember exactly why I was discouraged, but it was probably just because we'd been working for months and hadn't really gotten as far as we'd wanted and we were just doing the beta test and you know I just probably felt overwhelmed and stuff but I remember reading through one morning somebody I, I saw one of the feedback forms come through on my email and I I opened my phone and looked at my email and I, I read it and it was this guy from Thailand who um was he he's British but he's living in Thailand with his wife and he was just expressing how thankful he was and how he was so excited about it and how um it was and it it just it floored me that somebody that far away you know would be watching what I'd done from our little garage kind of filming studio, you know, on Kamano Island 
and it's reaching the other side of the world. And that was one of those moments where I just thought, this is awesome. Yeah. Well, and that, I mean, that's incredible that you guys have gotten that much reach and, um, it, just that you're right. Like there is that need for this type of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and also, so actually there's something I wanted to circle back on. So you were mentioning that like a lot of these artists and stuff, as they get farther along in their career, they switch from acrylic to water painting or oil, most oil you yeah. said. Um, but you've actually participated in a lot of different like plain air, like not just events, but like contests and stuff yeah. um, around the United States. And you actually took first place at one of those, right? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, it's funny because the very, very first contest that I entered, I, there was one, okay, so I had a job and I really loved my job. And then it became clear that, um, that I needed to switch. The job didn't love me. <laughs> no, I mean, it was kind of like I was trying to, I, but I, it became clear that I, it was the right time to become a full-time artist. So all of a sudden I was trying to figure out, oh, okay, I'm not a part-time artist anymore. I need to make a living at this. It's not an option. You know, when you're a part-time artist, it's kind of like if you sell a painting, it's like, wow, that's awesome. Look, I have extra spending money or something <laughs> like that. You know, when you're a full-time artist and you have a wife and daughter who are depending on you to provide, then you, you take a totally different look at it. And so I was looking out at how can I make money? And I saw, oh, there's this plain air contest, which means you go to a place and all these artists come together and they paint for like two days and whoever does the best painting and gets judged as the best painting wins. And you, there's probably like three or four prizes for it. But this one had a $5,000 top prize. And I was like, I'm going to go for that because that's a good way to make money is to go win that contest. And there was a small contest that was happening right before that and and I because I was talking to somebody and they said did you know that there's this other one that's happening like tomorrow and it was in a another local town and I, I said no I don't but I'm gonna go to it now that I know because I thought man if I want to win the 5,000 I better try a, a small one first and like I don't even know what I'm doing right never done it before and so I showed up to this first one and thankfully like in my case I think it was it was a little bit wet that day like a little bit of rain fell and stuff like that. So maybe the best artist didn't show up or maybe it was just a smaller event and not as many people were going to come anyways, but I ended up winning. I won the first the best in show or whatever and I was thinking I'm going to just like that's that's I didn't think anything of it until he handed me it. Uh, an envelope and in the envelope there was a thousand dollars wow and i was like wow this is crazy because and i got so excited um and and so then i went to the one that was the next month and i was it was a five thousand dollar one and i'm thinking i was so confident i was like so overly confident i'm like man this is easy i'm just gonna go to this now and I'm going to win 5,000. Then I'll go, where's the next one? And I, you know, I'm just like, <laughs> kind of like, I don't know, overconfident, but really hopeful and end up not winning. I, there were probably like 75 artists and the top three or four people, like if I would have been 
third place, I would have won like 1500 If I would have been in second place, it would have been like 3500 And first place was, of course, 5000 I think that I ended up in fourth place. So I was, and I got an honorable mention and I won $100. But I, I remember distinctly going up and talk, like shaking hands with the mayor and trying to smile. And I was so disappointed that I felt like my smile was super forced and I just, my heart had sunk completely. Like I did not want to be getting honorable mention at all. But anyways, it did set me on this course of realizing, okay, I need to figure some stuff out with this. And that was actually one of the, one of the parts that helped me, you know, cause I, that was where I started considering, should I switch to oils, you know? And it wasn't until like eight months later when I went to the next planner competition, cause that was at the end of the summer. And then it was April. I went to the next one and I, I tried again and I, I learned a couple things. I learned a couple things about how to keep my paint so that I could paint outside and it wouldn't dry up on me and different things like that. And, um, I didn't win there either. But then I got on like a little streak where I started doing really well in these competitions and it started clicking for me and I started realizing like how to approach them and, and to, you know, it wasn't like I was winning every one, but I, I, I did go through a streak where I, I, I won. Um, I probably have, I mean, it's, it's been kind of cool. Like, cause there's actually one starting tomorrow over on Whidbey Island and I'm going to go over for that. And I don't, I doubt I'll win, but it's fun. I'm a very competitive person. So, <laughs> so like these kind of things, um, they, they're fun because you get to paint with other people. You see other people, you're outside, you know, and there's a chance of winning money. So I'm, I, I always think like, if there's a chance for me to go win money somewhere just by going and painting, well, I'm going to want to be painting anyways. Might as well go somewhere where I think I might be able to win some money, right? <laughs> right. Well, and yeah. So at most of these events then, what's the percentage breakdown, if you had to guess, of um, acrylic versus oil versus water? Oh, I'm usually the only acrylic painter there. Honestly, I went to the plein air convention in San Francisco this year. I was on staff or on faculty. And there were about, I think there were about 900 people there. There were about 88, 90 faculty members. I was the only faculty member using acrylics. There was maybe, there out of the 900 people, there might have been 20 that painted in acrylic. But hardly, I mean, it was like nobody. They didn't even have acrylic. Like we all got a badge when we signed in and it said like what our medium was. They didn't even have uh, a badge for acrylics because <laughs> they weren't no there were vendors there that were selling paint and all this material and um nobody was selling acrylic paints it's just so it's it's this weird thing where i think somewhere along the line people determined oh you can't you just can't paint outside with normal acrylics so let's not even like put that on out there as an option, you know? Um, and I feel like, man, you guys just aren't thinking about it right. You're thinking about the weakness. You're thinking about it drying fast as a weakness. But if you think about it as a strength, then think about like, I can do like 10 layers on a painting 
without it getting muddy or weird or picking up old paint in the time that you can do one layer, you know, like, because you can't, you can't necessarily like keep doing what I'm doing. So there's a, there's trade-offs, right? And, right. and I've just decided that I'm going to look at the, the things that other people think are weaknesses and I'm going to look at them as a strength and try to work with it as, as that. So, yeah. Well, and obviously at some higher level, there's people painting with acrylic cause that's what you found in that gallery up in Whistler. Yeah. And what I've found is that in other, like in the Northwest, I think there might be a little bit more and in like Canada and in other countries around the world, there's more, there's, a, there's more acceptance in the upper echelon of the art world of acrylics as a viable medium to be mm-hmm. a professional artist. So they're like, honestly, the mo that, that artist that I, those, that was in Canada where I yeah. discovered yep. those artists and, and they're both Canadian. And then I found another amazing Canadian artist, um, that worked in acrylics. And now I've discovered another one, you know, so it's like, I find them, you know, more frequently outside of the States, um, using them, you know, and I don't know why that is. I, I, maybe it's like the metric system. Yeah. You know, (laughs) other, other countries are quicker to adapt to, uh, you know, things like that. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the drawings that you, the paintings you have done, uh, I mean, I've got to see some really neat ones that you've got to do. Um, you did a, a customized one of my mom's siblings. Yeah, That just yeah. turned out amazing of them playing on the beach, and you just yeah. took that, and it's it's such a neat photo. Uh, it, I mean, it was such a neat painting when it was all said and done. Oh, yeah. And well, then... And then working on that, the other one you did for them was was a very large three panel. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Canvas. That yeah, was, that was a big one. That That's actually the biggest painting I've ever done, um, which was it was ten feet ten feet wide in three panels, um, four feet tall, and really fun to work on. That was that was super fun because what I realized was, man, I mean, I like painting on big canvases, but that took it to a different level of. All I can see when I'm painting here is the is the scene, and it really was Im- an immersive experience because of that. Like, but your your the other one um, that you're referring to is actually really cool because I had to take a family photo and get the idea of who these people were. You know, their kids in this photo, and then put it into a totally different scene. So I had to basically make up the scene myself and think okay what will what will what would make a good scene and and what would portray this family in in a in a way that that is going to bring um you know just joy right and so it was it was really fun to work on that uh and and to communicate with your mom about that because i think that it's one of the things that i've found about commissions like custom work like that is that every time I paint whether it's you know just I just am on a scene I always think in the back of my mind I'm painting this for someone Mm -hmm. you know someone down the road is going to end up with this in their house um and and they usually have some sort of emotional connection with it but 
What's different about a commission or a custom painting is that I get to experience that at the beginning when we're talking. And so I get to get into somebody's life and like understand what makes them tick or like why this would matter to them. Like no one ever asked me to do a painting of something that they don't care about. Right. It's always something that's super significant and meaningful to them. And so I just, I just find it's fun and, um, and I get to know people and, and, and then I get to kind of be part of the, part of the act of, of creating maybe a part of the the legacy of whatever that memory was or whatever that was, you know? So it's, it's pretty fun. That's, that's one of my most enjoyable parts of being an artist. Yeah. Well, we love having you upstairs. Yeah, it's fun. Um, so I always end the podcast with some rapid fire questions focused around Camino. Yeah. So the first one, um, do you have a lesser known or favorite location on Camino Island that you like to hang out? I don't want to say because, <laughs> like, why would I tell you where my favorite lesser-known place is? In fact, um, no, I'll, I'll say uh, one of my favorite places is, um, is um, no, English Boom. Yeah. You know, just a small kind of park, but it really cool. Beautiful sunsets there, and you get, like... I don't know. It's just, it's kind of a interesting, it's a little different than a lot of the other beaches and stuff, yeah. you know? Um, it's got a little kind of backwater, a little tiny slough that runs through there and very reflective. Yeah. 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 That's, so that's one of my favorites. Yeah. No, that's, that's a great location. It's, um, yeah, the wildlife and yeah. Yeah, the sunsets are yeah. amazing there. So, um, all right. If you have a friend coming in from out of town and it's their first time on Camino, what does their first day look like here? Oh man. Um, well, if if I could have them do anything, I, I'd I'd probably have them go on a on a bit of a tour of the island just to see how it's interesting, you know. So, and and have them stop in different places like i mean i think you can't come to the island and not come to the commons because this is like like one of the only hubs on the island and it's interesting and it's cool and there's a lot to see here and if you want to eat you can do that if you want to you know like get some souvenirs it's all here but then also like you can go to i mean there's great parks right like so if you go down to you know like barnum point like awesome new county park there like and kind of like it does a little loop like you can come back and you can head down to this you know further down south you can go around the whole tip of the island you can see like the little stores down there like tai grocery which is really cool old store that's been there forever even since i was a little kid and before that and then like coming back the other way you've got elger bay grocery store and little stuff there and then you go over to like the state park and Cama Beach and you know so I would just send people kind of on a tour to see some of the cool places around um and yeah then end up back man I have this mixed emotion because one of the next question is if you could put any message on a billboard on Camino Island what would it say and my my first uh my the first thought that came to my mind was um um, either like, sorry, no vacancy or, <laughs> or, 
or um, um, yeah, like nothing to see here, you know, like, don't worry guys. Sorry. You know, it's not, you know, because you kind of have that feeling of, man, we, we're, we're onto something like so many people who I talk to here at the commons and they've moved here fairly recently. They're like, man, we didn't even know there was a place like Camino Island. We were looking around for a place that we, we wanted to move out of Seattle. We want to move from California. We wanted to find something. And then we discovered Camino Island, right? And it's, it's like, I mean, the, the, the island has changed so much and you would know that too, right? For yeah. you from when you were a kid. Um, but it's like, it's changed so much and there's, I love it. I actually like have lived in the city for the last 20 years. So I, I love it. But, but there's also this part of the, it's like, but, but the traffic, you know, like, oh, but you know, there's only one two lane road coming on and off the island. We don't want it to get any more crowded. We don't want, you know, like that. So I love being able to share Camino Island. And at the same time, I'm like, but maybe we shouldn't broadcast it too loudly. You know how yeah. awesome it is here. <laughs> well, yeah, and actually that's been a um, both of those points. So one, like multiple people I've talked to now and interviewed, they mentioned that, that yeah. Kameno has very rarely been the landing point for these people. Yeah, It's that they were supposed to work maybe in Seattle or Everett. Sure, yeah. You know, maybe stopped in Snohomish for like, yeah. well, not quite. Yeah. And then Marysville. And they yeah. kept going north. And then they're like, Kameno? What's yeah, that? Yeah, Kameno yeah, Island? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They come out and it's immediately driving on. I, I know. Mean, it's like, oh, no, this is where we're going to stay. Yeah. I mean, that was what it was for my dad when he oh. came here. He drove on was like, yep, we're going to move here from Arizona. <laughs> that's awesome, yeah. And um, and that I think that's very common. And yeah. It is. Uh, the, the other point to that is people that have been here for a while. Yeah. Um, is that they are. They're like... You know, come enjoy the island, have fun on your way out. Yeah, like, yeah, see yeah, you yeah, later. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. It's it's funny. I mean, if you're in, you know, like like I said, I actually am so thankful that, like, okay, so where we're sitting right now, this was not here. When did it get built? 2008, yeah. Seven, 2008, seven. man, that's like hardly even 10 years, yeah. right? Yeah. So what about, was that the same as the building over there? So like all of it, the the roaster was completed first, and I think that was early like like mid two thousands. Okay. Like 2000, so I mean, th- but that's crazy, right? Still because new, yeah. it's all within fifteen years, right? And and but but the thing is, like, if this wasn't here, there wouldn't be. I wouldn't have a studio here. Mm-hmm. You know, there wouldn't be a a hub kind of like like this that right. people can come to and and uh, you can have events at and different stuff and so i mean like i said i we moved from vancouver bc to indianapolis we live downtown in both of those places and one of my big hesitations in moving back to the northwest was i didn't know where we we're gonna live but i really didn't think i'd live on Camano island because i'm i'm just so used to having things be convenient yeah i don't want to drive half an hour to go to the grocery store like that's not appealing to me right (laughs) um which we do still kind of now (laughs) but there's enough things that we don't have to drive for like i drive five minutes to get here to work i we have a grocery store you know right next to us in the plaza and that wasn't there when i was growing up you know there's a hardware store there all this kind of stuff that yes you can kind of look at and say well i don't want development to happen 
but it sure is nice when it does happen. You know, there's a lot of things that you look at and you go, yeah, I'm really glad that this is here. And so, you know, and, and the thing is about the island is that a lot of people, you know, there's there's regulations like you, yeah. you can't subdivide down into tiny, tiny lots, you know, like you there's so there's never going to be like that many people that right. live on the island. There's you just always going to be a limitation. You know? Yeah. 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 All right. <clears throat> um, Sorry for that long rabbit trail. No, that was great. <laughs> it's funny. I usually get to that question. People are like, uh, hmm, I don't know what I would do. So I love <laughs> oh. that you just jumped in and grabbed <laughs> yeah. it. Um, okay, we'll go back a question now. Uh, who is the most interesting person in this community that you think I should interview next? Man, I was I was thinking about that, and I was like, <clears throat> I, I feel like I'm... I'm at a bit of a disadvantage in answering that because I'm fairly new to the community. First person I thought of, of course, was my daughter. Uh, <laughs> she's really interesting. And part of the reason is because I'm thinking like somebody told me once that the best interviews happen with people who are younger than five or over 75 because they don't care anymore about like, it's like, I don't care what I say. Like you get people <laughs> like me in here and we always try to like sound good or look good or something like that. But kids, they'll say whatever's on their mind, you know, at a certain point, an elderly person, they're like, man, I've been through life. I don't, I don't care what you think of me anymore. <laughs> and so, um, but, uh, man, I wish I could give you a better answer. Um, I feel like your dad's an interesting person to talk to all the time. You know, like he's just very, very got a lot of lot of thoughts, a lot of opinions. Um, man, let's skip that one and then I'll come back if I think of somebody. That sounds good. Um, one last thing we didn't get to touch on, um, which I want to at least give a shout out to, is the Coffee and Canvas, which was really one of your first projects you started yeah. upstairs in your gallery. So just do a really quick brief, like, sure. what that is and, and why you started that. Yeah, well... We rented the space. Uh, we have a really beautiful space upstairs above the um, the bakery and the the main marketplace, and um, and we were like, man, this is you know really awesome. We can use this space, but what are we gonna do? And you know, felt like we should invite people to come here and to paint. And then we started just thinking about like how we could do something. And, and the idea came to have, well, what if we did some sort of class on a regular basis? And I think I was thinking about, well, you know, we're above a coffee shop. Why don't we call it coffee and canvas? Right. And so then, um, we started doing a class, and it's essentially like a wine and canvas or a sip and paint kind of class. But my thing was I didn't want to paint um, something really cheesy or not to say that everything that happens at a sip and paint is going to be cheesy, but I'd, I've only been to one myself. But it wasn't the kind of painting that I would choose to paint, and I couldn't imagine teaching people to paint something that I was not interested in. So then I thought, well, could I teach a class that would be interesting to me, would be something that I like to paint anyways, but could I break it down in a simple enough way so that anybody could come and enjoy the class and leave with something that they really were happy about? 
And so that that that's kind of what what the goal has been. And it's been neat because we've been doing it now for about a year and like it's been super popular. People, you know, almost every class has been full, over full. Um, and it's the thing that's been neat for me is that it's been a I, I just didn't know how much fun I'd have with it. That I've met so many cool people and had such a good time. And I've been it's actually one of the things that helped me realize that we should start acrylic university because there were like i've just seen so many people enjoy the creative process Mm -hmm. and almost every time i'm talking to somebody the other day it just happened i was leaving the studio and i started chatting with somebody they were i think they might have asked about um class and then the question i often get is well but am i good enough like can i do it and and i I love it because I see these people that don't really, um, they don't really think that they can paint, and they actually do way, way better than they ever could have imagined. So, pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah, and I, I can tell you, like, <clears throat> from looking at people's painting because I'm usually around when that's going yeah. on, and um, I, I walk by these people, and regardless of if you walk around the table, whether they're amateurs or professionals, yeah. like when it's done it they look really nice they're really good and you're just like i i didn't think that's how that would turn out and like I, my wife went through the class and yeah. she said even so your cl- i forget how long your class normally goes yeah. but like <clears throat> it's two and a half hours yeah so it was about 75% of the way or maybe 80% of the way through the class she's like this is not looking good like i yeah. did something wrong like yeah. it's not working <laughs> yeah and then when she got home she was like look it actually it worked yeah, like yeah, yeah. look at what i got and um like it was, yeah, it was really neat to that, you know, both my wife and I are not artistic yeah. and, um, she was just like blown away with what she was able to do. So yeah, that happens every time. It's, yeah. it's super fun. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, man. It's my, my pleasure. Thank you, Brandon. So, all right, Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to Jed Dorsey for joining us on the podcast today. And thank you for listening. As I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, if you are a local, be sure to sign up for one of the Copy and Canvas classes because you will not regret it. And if you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And if you want more information on this episode or previous episodes, go to kamenocommons.com slash podcast. That's kamenocommons.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.